Welcome to another episode of Not Your Average Feminist. We may not be your average feminist today, but tomorrow we will be. I'm Amanda. I'm Christina. And I'm Sarah. Welcome back to another episode of the Not Your Average Feminist podcast. Uh, This is Amanda, and I'm here with Christina again. Hello. (laughs) Um, Sarah's still out on maternity leave, so we miss her, Um, but we're thrilled to be here this week. We have an awesome episode planned, and um, I guess we'll just dive right in. Um, This week, we are talking about... Um, a new group that's formed, uh, g- given what this podcast is about, we'd be completely remiss if we didn't talk about this. So um, there's a new women's group on the scene called Supermajority. And um, by the time this podcast airs, I think it'll have been maybe two weeks since the group launched officially or something like that. So they've gotten a decent amount of press. Um, I'm going to read a little bit just to give a brief overview of what this group is. Um, and I think it'll be interesting to see what they do over the next year and a half. So um, all that said, I'm going to dive right in. This is a quick excerpt um, about the group. Um, let's see which one I'm going to use here. This is from Refinery29. They basically all say the same, but I'm going to read this real quick. Um, quote, Cecile Richards, uh, the former president of Planned Parenthood, Agent Poo, executive director of the National Domestic Workers Alliance, and Alicia Garza, a co-founder of Black Lives Matter, are launching a new women's political action group called Supermajority on Monday with the goal of training and mobilizing women to make change around the issues that impact their lives. Women are the majority of voters and the majority of activists, Richards told Refinery29 in an interview on Saturday, and yet they continue to be treated as a side issue and a special interest group. It's time that women get the credit and the encouragement they deserve, and we begin to amplify the extraordinary work that women are doing, end quote. So that's the basic gist of this group. Um, Three big prominent progressive activists came together to found it. Um, They talk a lot about wanting to mobilize and activate 2 million women before the 2020 election. Uh, They talk a lot about how women make up for 54% of the electorate but are underrepresented in political life. Um, Let's see, what else? The U.S. ranks 78th in the world for women's political representation. Yada, yada, yada. We only make, what, 80 cents on the dollar, according to these women. Uh, We're oppressed. We're victims. We're whatever. Insert whatever blank here. Um, So that's the goal of the group. They want to activate women, I guess, ahead of 2020. So there you go. Um, So I guess what top of mind questions. um, How is this any different from any other like quote unquote feminist political activist group out there? What are they doing that's different? That's not very clear to me. And also like how are they different from the Women's March organization? Um, Also... Can we just talk for a second about how annoying it is that there's another women's group out there now that claims to speak for all women yet clearly doesn't and they're just like not being honest about it? Yep. What I found really interesting is that so they're saying Cecile Richards um, because of how active she was in Planned Parenthood's action fund and after she left the woman that is in charge of it now what is her name when? 
Yeah, Atlanta win. Yeah. Um, she's not been super active with the pack, that this is just going to be another rearm of basically Planned Parenthood. Right. right. And that's what, like, I'm trying to find the quote in BuzzFeed right now, because that's what BuzzFeed was saying. Yeah, um, I think I read that same article, and it talked about how a bunch of former Planned Parenthood people are, like, went to supermajority and are working there. Yeah. Yeah. So it's basically and, just an offshoot. Yeah. And they're saying, you know, people, they're... Planned Parenthood staff, supporters, and donors have raised concerns that Wynn is moving the organization away from the political strength that Richards helped build. So, I mean, who knows? I mean, Cecile Richards was the one who, like, built out the political arm of Planned Parenthood. And made it what it is. And honestly, Cecile Richards is synonymous with abortion rights. Like, and and I'm not meaning that as a put-down. I I think she would embrace that. Um, But even, like, later on in in the article... There, BuzzFeed says the release conspicuously leaves out any mention of reproductive health care or abortion. But Pooh and Richards says the issue remains important to the organization as well as as well and will be something that they will be thinking about and organizing around. So they're trying to distance themselves from it right now by not even mentioning it, mentioning yeah. anything about it um, within. But the you pressures. can't have something founded by Cecile Richards and it not be like a yeah. abortion centric thing. And also like any progressive group women's group today is like their single focus I feel like is abortion like that's their top priority and then like underneath that obviously is like equal pay you know workplace harassment equality Mm um what is um uh crap I'm forgetting what some of the other issues that they talked about but um like child care affordable housing health care things like that maternal maternal mortality family leave yes which I'm surprised they're gonna go into the family leave stuff because the president and this administration are trying to push through paid family leave well yeah but they don't like it because it's the Trump administration (laughs) Okay. So, but I still think, like, at the top of their pyramid of concerns is abortion and always will be. Yeah, they're just not acknowledging it at this point because then it shows them to be much more polarizing right. than they so they're already are. they're being, like, completely disingenuous. So, yeah. like, that's my first problem. Um, and actually, I think this is a good time to play this clip. Uh, the day that they rolled this out, Cecile Richards and Agent Pooh and uh, um, Alicia Garza went on Morning Joe to talk about it. And I think it's a really illuminating um, interview. And I'm going to play just a couple of minutes of it. But basically, they are asked straight up if they're going to, like, recognize that not all women think alike. And I was actually surprised that the Morning Joe panel asked this question. But um, they asked them, like, you know, not all women think alike. They're not a monolithic, like, block what are you going to do to reach out to conservative women? Like if you are talking about wanting to bring all women together on issues that unite all women, what are you going to do to reach out to conservative women? And their answer was basically like, uh, let's talk about something else. So I'm going to play this real quick. Um, let's listen in. <laughs> yeah, that's great. So 
just because you're a woman doesn't necessarily mean that your politics are in alignment, mm -hmm. right? So we could fall into a kind of easy identity politics. What sort of work will supermajority do in order to speak across the right. ideological differences that make up the supermajority, as you understand? Absolutely. Well, we've been we spent the last year going from community to community, rural, urban, suburban, from Ohio to Alabama, and what we found was. It was incredibly inspiring to see the ways in which these issues were starting to emerge. And it's everything from um, child care, how we're going to take care of our families and afford child care and elder care, to how we're going to pay the bills when women are working incredibly hard and still not able to make ends meet because so many of us are working in minimum wage jobs without benefits or getting paid less for the same work. All of these issues, you can see them start to emerge as an agenda. Eddie gets to a good point, though, because this kind of movement could be seen as basically a democratic movement, a more progressive liberal movement. Are you going to make specific steps to outreach towards Republican conservative women as well? Well, we absolutely are, believe that women's equality is a universal value, and but but women are not a monolith, as you said, Willie. Really. I think it's important to understand. So we are absolutely focused on organizing women to fight for women's equality, economic, social, cultural, um, and in government. Uh, and so I think that that and and what I'm seeing, and, and the interesting thing, and I think all of us have seen, is that there are so many women now who've never been involved in issues, they've never been involved in campaigns, they are volunteering, they're starting new organizations all across the country because they actually don't agree with the direction that this government is going and they want to change that. So I think there is a huge opportunity to engage women who have never been in, engaged before. Okay, so there you just heard Cecil Richards and um, I think that was Pooh basically say oh yeah like we are talking to all women and we are talking about these issues that like bring all women together uh no you're not and and it's it was frustrating that like the panel didn't push back at all but i guess what do you expect from a, a morning joe panel but anyway um yeah it's just weird to me and it's just like another example of like women activists going out there pretending like they speak for all women but clearly not interested in reaching across the aisle to women who like maybe have policy disagreements with them yeah i mean i mean it's it's super polarizing and they can't say that they're not going to not be polarizing because you have cecile richards with planned parenthood mm -hmm. and you know like i would say that i'm you know fairly i mean i'm pro-life personally but pro-choice government wise and in, in certain senses to like an extent so i can see like where people may support planned parenthood in, a, in certain aspects of at least women's health care stuff mm -hmm. like that uh but then you have um ajan poo who does the what is she's um um, totally the Domestic like Workers me. Alliance. Right, right, right. Domestic Workers Alliance. And they, they're really big into, like, you know, illegal immigration issues. Yeah. Um, and really supporting, which is, you know, a, a polarizing issue. But, like, agree or disagree with it. Um, and then you also then have, uh, what's her face? Alicia Garza. Alicia Garza from Black Lives Matter. Right, which is, like, a completely liberal progressive activist group. Yeah. Yes. So, and I then they've also them... gotten in, like, pantsuit nation who yeah. support hillary clinton i mean none of the none of the they're nobody that they're even engaging with are going to be people that have any differing opinions with right them. so here we just have another group and this is what like really gets me so frustrated about this and it's partly why we started this podcast is like there's so many liberal women out there who are given 
the spotlight and given all this attention and they they get to go on TV and talk about how they're fighting for women and how they're bringing women together on women's issues and they're elevating the conversation and like you're not speaking for all women like you know I don't know Cecile Richards what makes you think that you are going on TV and representing us but you're not and you should stop saying that you are and the media should stop treating you like you are and yeah. same with Alicia Garza and Asian Poo like and same for all the, the, this is, has been one of my biggest gripes with the Women's March leaders this whole time is like, they're given platform after platform after platform to talk about their agenda and, and they're treated like they speak for women and yeah. they don't, they speak for a political ideology. And it's frustrating that now there's like another group out there that's probably super well-funded. Um, and, 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 and like, the whole basis too, this is a tangent, but like the whole basis of their name supermajority is that like women make up 54% of the electorate, I guess. So we like make up a supermajority of the voters mm-hmm. and they want to like bring us all together to like, you know, have our voice in the political process. But really, they're, they may make up 54% of the electorate, but women are split kind of 50-50 on mm-hmm. where they fall on political issues. So you're only talking about Cecil Richards, like, captivating maybe 25% of the electorate. So but let's, like, be even, honest with what we're talking about here. To even pivot, from, like, from what you're saying, I mean, the Daily Caller today just had an article that came out saying more women donated to the Trump campaign mm-hmm. in the first quarter than any other 2020 Democrat. How many women are running for president, yet more women yeah. are donating to the Trump campaign than they are to any other woman president or running for president? Candidate, I mean, yeah. and I haven't, um, any other candidate yet, I haven't gone down and, like, added up the numbers to see if it balances out, like, what the actual female candidates and compare, like, combined compared mm-hmm. to Donald Trump is. I probably should have done that before this yeah, call. Yeah, well, I did it earlier. Um, I did it earlier. And, like, there are still more, according to these numbers, there are still more women donating to Democrats than to Donald Trump. But I think that's also just because there are, like, but, 20 million Democrats running. and. But like, do you mean, like, Democrats in the everyone that's running or Democrats is in just the women? Like everyone if you that's added running, up- that's what I mean. Yeah, think about adding up, I, and I should probably have done this, adding up all of the, I wish I had a calculator in front of me, all of the um, women that are running uh-huh. in the Democratic primaries against what's been raised with Donald Trump and or the numbers for yeah. female donors. It'd be really interesting to see, you know, are more women still, in, like, even just combined with all of the female candidates donating still more to the Trump campaign. Yeah, and if you scroll down this article a little bit farther, I think the more interesting numbers are the percentage of female donors by candidate for Q1. So mm-hmm. um, Kirsten Gillibrand, 52.48% of her donors were women. 49.2%, uh, can't talk, 49.27% of Kamala Harris's donors were women. And in third place is Donald Trump. So 45% of all his donors in Q1 were women. And I think that would shock most people. And, um, and it just goes to show that there are a lot of women out there who don't, aren't, aren't part of the Democratic Party and are, are not yeah. interested in donating to the Democrat cause or being activated by a, an, another progressive women's group. No. You know, 45% I mean, of his donors are women. That's, that's like way more than even I thought it would be. Yeah. 
I mean, it just reminds people like me that I need to donate to the Trump campaign for 2020. (laughs) (laughs) And if you scroll down this list a little bit more, obviously um, Joe Biden is not in here because he just announced. But look at the the top two, like, or I guess like the quote unquote front runners of the last couple of months have been what Pete Buttigieg and Bernie Sanders. Thirty three percent, only thirty three percent of their donors have been women, which is crazy. It is kind of crazy. So you talk about like, yes, a lot of women are donating more than ever and being active more than ever, um, but they're giving to candidates. They're giving, right? I mean, at least for the last four months, they've been giving to Kirsten Gillibrand and Kamala Harris. Yeah. And so the quote unquote front runners are being driven by male donors. Mm -hmm. I mean, take that, you know, with for take that and extrapolate what you want from it. But I think it's kind of illuminating. And I, you know, I, I think it's still really early and probably more women will be activated and turned into donors like the closer we get, obviously. And so a yeah. lot of these numbers will change. But um, I just think it's fascinating. Like, I don't know. Women are pretty split. And also just on this whole like women's attitudes type of um, topic. I was looking up before we started, I was looking up um, how men and women are split on the abortion issue just because it is the big issue for these women's groups. And Gallup has been tracking this for the past 10 years. And, um, and I'll put this in show notes, but um, basically over the past 10 years, there's only been like a four point split between men and women when it comes to, um, let's see, let's see the exact question. Um, okay. Oh gosh. I wish I had, okay. Since 1990, the average gender difference. Okay. So more than a decade, but since 1990, the average gender difference in the view that abortion should be legal in all circumstances is four percentage points with women more likely than men to hold that attitude just by four points. So for the past four years, an average of 31% of women and 26% of men have held this view. And so I think that's also really interesting, just given that people like Cecil Richards and Agent Poo and Alicia Garza go on TV and like start this group and like they talk about how this is a women's issue and women need to speak out. And if only, and like the, the underlying premise always seems to be if women only got more involved and more activated, we wouldn't even be having conversations about, uh, abortion rights or reproductive rights yeah. we would be so past this all we have to do is activate more women because all women like think alike and this like all these gallup polls just disprove that and and honestly like men kind of have the exact same view i mean there's only a four percentage difference between men and women on these issues it's not there's not like a huge gender disparity here the, the issue is not like oh we just need to get more women to the polls or more women in office the issue is that just Americans are divided on abortion, period. Yeah. You know, it's not a mm-hmm. it's not a male thing and it's not a female thing. Like, as much as you want to call it a women's issue, it's just not. Um, well, it's not just, anyway, it's not just a women's issue. It's a man's issue as well, because men are part of the process of making a baby. Yeah, and they are <laughs> part of the responsibility of raising that yeah. child if it, if it gets to be born, you know? Yeah. So it, I don't know. I it, there's all kinds of things about this that bug me, um, and, and that being one of them is just like, you know, abortion is not a women's issue, really. I mean, it's it, 
in that it's not going to be solved just by getting women more involved. Yeah. You know, like a lot of people have a lot of different views and guess what? It's split pretty evenly um, between the genders. So I, I, I just don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like super majority, the entire point of them obviously is to like activate women and get them more involved. And like the thinking is, Oh, if we can get 2 million more women involved in politics by 2020, then we'll beat Trump and we'll beat the Republicans. And like, we'll be able to get all this stuff that we wanted because all women agree with us. And so like, it's just, it's just a numbers game. It's like, Oh, we just have to increase the numbers of women. That's it. And then boom, we're, we'll win. Like, I mean, this crazy. could ultimately just really backfire on them and be it epically could. amazing. I could. It makes me also wonder, like, what kind of polling they have that, like, tells them that this is a good strategy. Yeah. Like, it's not just a numbers game. And, and it just it goes back to the whole thing of, like, them treating women and talking about women like we all think alike. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I could get I could go on and on about this for forever, but it's just I mean also what one really positive thing at least about this administration is this administration has the mo- the highest number of female like leadership staff in any administration in history. Yeah. So I mean, they can jump up and down that you know Trump is the worst in the world, but there are more women in leadership roles in this administration than there's historically ever been. Really? Yeah. I read an article. I'll have to find it so we can put it in the show notes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I read the article like probably a week ago and I thought, wow, this is really, and I, I wasn't shocked by it. Yeah. I mean, I so know. yeah. <laughs> I think we're in for a long ride of an, an, an election season where just the, the voice of women and like progressive women, it's gonna get really old really fast, to be honest. Yeah. Like being talked to like we're some major minority group and we're like breaking out of our chains and we're like finally getting involved and we're gonna have our voice. Like I'm just so over it. I don't know. I mean, maybe that sounds awful, but like I'm just over it. Like I don't like being talked to like I'm some kind of like minority victim like I have some kind of minority like victim status and I'm oppressed all the time and I need to like you know do xyz to quote make my voice heard I'm so over that phrase yeah so I think we're in for a really long ride I mean just look at the candidates already on the democratic side who have like pledged to have a female vice president and that's just the beginning I know. It's just going to get so much worse. I know. <laughs> I just can't. I know. <sighs> I know. Man, abortion is just one of those issues, though. I know we don't really talk about it that much on this podcast. Um, for obvious reasons, because it's so polarizing. Um, but I think it's going to be a big issue in 2020. Which is, which is surprising. I mean... I feel like our government 
you know, it sh- there should be, like, necessary ways for the government that, like, they should get involved. Mm-hmm. And then there's other ways the government really shouldn't be involved. I mean, mm-hmm. I get it with, like, the late term, even, like, beyond probably third trimester abortions for me is, is yeah. and, like, is too much. And I feel like if even if the government doesn't get involved, the American Medical Association should get involved and say, you know, there is no need to you know, kill this unborn child after this mm-hmm. point, if the baby is healthy and the mom is healthy. Yeah. Um, at that point you can, you know, there's plenty of parents that would want to get involved in like adoption and stuff yeah. like that. They just don't have the opportunity to have kids. Um, you know, that's, you know, personally that, I mean, like government wise, that's where I stand. I mean, I don't think the government should really get involved before that. Like I disagree with like these heartbeat bills that are being passed. I, I think six weeks is an early on point. If you were a victim of rape, or even if you're just a 19 year old woman that's in college and realizes that you're pregnant Mm. and can't, and you know that it's going to affect the rest of your life and Mm. selfishly, you need to make a decision. Then you can't fault a person from wanting to be that way. I mean, I wouldn't do it, but I don't fault another person from having those feelings and wanting to put themselves above something that they're not necessarily attached to yet. But I think when the government gets involved, you then open the doors for people doing things that are stupid, like clothes hanger abortions and things like that. Like we're getting ready to go down the path of like a bad road of people doing irresponsible medical mm-hmm. procedures. <laughs> well, sure. And I've heard that argument a lot and I get, I mean, I, you know, I, I can understand that viewpoint. Like it kind of harkens back to the nineties era of like, we don't like abortion. Let's make it, but let's make it safe, legal, and rare. Rare being the opportune word of like, we want to prevent, we like the thing you were talking about, like the clothes hanger abortions. We yeah. want to prevent women bleeding out because they try to do an abortion in their bathroom. Yeah. So like, let's prevent that. Let's make it safe. And so to do that, you kind of have to make it legal. Okay. But let's also make it rare. And I, I think that argument kind of harkens back to that. But I feel like the Democratic Party and these they're you know, going to women's rights activists, extreme. they're going to a completely different extreme. We're not talking about safe, legal, and rare anymore. Safe, yeah. legal, and rare is like a, a total like thing of the past. They're talking about like unfettered access <laughs> and to abortion. And like you could be in labor and dilating and decide that you want an abortion. And like Cecile Richards would be like, okay, have an abortion. And that. And then we can sell you the body parts. I mean, yeah, I mean, I think it's I think it's disgusting and immoral and yeah. completely wrong and anti-science. And and another thing, like this is dating this episode a little bit, um, but uh, today, the day that we're recording this, I don't know if you saw it, but on CNN uh, on Chris Cuomo's show, actually last night, Rick Santorum, who whatever Rick Santorum. Um, was on opposite Christina Quinn or Christine Quinn, who's like the former speaker of the New York City Council, I think. I'll have to double check that. Mm-hmm. Um, but a prominent New York City politician. I think she ran for mayor against Bill de Blasio and lost. Um, but they were on Cuomo's show talking about abortion and, um, oh, about Georgia passing this heartbeat bill. And it's a fascinating segment it's like six minutes long i'm definitely gonna put it i'm not gonna play any of it here um but i'm definitely gonna put it in show notes and um it's like it's fascinating because they go they both like chris cuomo and christine quinn like really went after rick santorum and at one point 
Christine Quinn says, when a woman is pregnant, what's in her body is not a human being. That's almost oh, I did a see ver- a clip yeah. of it. Yeah. That's almost a verbatim quote. I'd have to double check. But she says, when a woman is pregnant, it's that thing is not a human being. Yeah. And, that and they're saying abortion. it to Rick Santorum, who his wife was, I think, second trimester. They found out that their daughter was going to be born with a very rare genetic mm-hmm. condition. They decided to keep the baby and take care of her. Um, I think she's still alive. I, I think she is not. Too. Yeah. Um, but it's a rare, rare genetic condition. I mean, they were very lucky because Rick Santorum's wife was like a prenatal nurse or mm-hmm. I think she was prenatal nurse. So they're able to take care of the daughter and give her like a good life. Not every family can do that. But they made the choice, you know, because it was their beliefs to keep this baby right. alive, to like well, raise the, her. The crazy thing is like Christine Quinn and Chris Cuomo were accusing Rick Santorum of just basing his argument on faith and feeling and that his entire argument was that he was just trying to impose his own morals on other people and rick santorum was literally like no i'm not i'm not like it's this the medical community the science community has said like this is a human this is a person the data viability keeps like inching closer and closer like earlier and earlier so you can't really use that argument anymore um and uh what else he say oh then he was talking about or they were accusing him of lying about um saying that you know no one is talking about uh babies who are born um and then like leaving them to die or do you remember when yeah. virginia governor ralph northam mm-hmm. was talking about that okay um and a lot of these like abortion bills that passed in new york recently uh, that allow for super late trimester abortions where like you could be in labor in the hospital and request an abortion and you would get it. And, um, and they were like, that doesn't happen. That's not what the bill says. And he's like, yes, it does. That's clearly what it says. Like, and they were like, no one's saying that a baby born alive is going to be left to die. And he was like, you have the Virginia governor who literally just said that. Like, I'm not yeah. making it up. And they're just like, no, no, you're lying. You're lying. You're lying. Like, you're just basing this on emotion. Like, it was insane. And, I mean, kudos to Rick Santorum for being able to, like, hold his composure during that interview. But you, I think everyone should watch it. But the point is, it, like, just goes to show how, ex- I think, extreme. And I'm not trying to be hyperbolic here, but how really extreme democrats have become on the abortion issue and it makes and i think it makes the other side you know there are different levels of pragmatism some you know some pro-lifers are like yes i want to be pragmatic about it some are like no i have a hard line no abortion under any circumstances but i think plus i know people who have told me that like the extreme like views from the other side are making them become more hardline and want mm-hmm. to like not be as compromising or like let's find a middle ground. But now it's, I think it's making both sides dig in. Now, like I am not one of those people cause I've always had a hardline view on abortion, mm-hmm. but. <laughs> and I'm one of those people that is definitely more that believes in more compromise because like I personally am pro-choice or pro-choice uh-huh. pro-life, but yeah. I wouldn't push my pro-life views on. Yeah somebody else that's and I wouldn't want some you know old white male that's sitting in a legis- state legislator telling me if I were a 17 year old 18 year old girl that just got pregnant and can't mm-hmm. can't have and like right knowingly, there's, there's it's nobody's yeah there's something to be said 
about, I mean, look, I'm a limited government conservative. I don't want the government really involved in like mostly anything. So I, I definitely sympathize with the, it should be a decision between the woman and her doctor type Mm -hmm. of argument. Um, but there comes a point where it just goes too far. And even even if you subscribe to that argument, um, there, there's a point where it just goes too far. And like, there is a role for government to step in and say, whoa, we don't care what you decide with your doctor. This is wrong. And we are going to defend life because that's kind of our job is yeah. to defend our people. And like, we're, so we're going to freaking step in here because this is, this is too much. I mean, my sister's pregnant right now. She's due in at the end of August. And mm-hmm. she was telling me yesterday that her baby is like the size of a grapefruit or whatever yeah. it is right now. And it won't stop moving. It, she's like, it is just kicking me and kicking me and kicking me. All it does all the yeah. time is just, he just kicks me. And I'm like, and that tells you, cause she's, I was like, you're probably being mean to him. And so he hates you. <laughs> <laughs> That's a perfect thing to say. Yeah. <laughs> and he needs you to learn a lesson to be nice. Yeah. He's already but putting like, you through. Yeah. Crap. But I mean, at that point, he's already putting you through. I, I mean, she sent me a, one of her like ultrasounds before the end of her first trimester. And I was like, oh, my God, it already looks like a human alien. Like, yeah. I mean, it, so, I mean, it, it already has like, yeah. And it's like, okay, if, if Christine Quinn, if it's not a human being, what is it? Just come right out and say you think it's a clump of cells. Actually, a lot of people have said that. Um, but it's not. No, I know. But they, it, I think it just, honestly, deep down, I think it just makes them be able to have clean consciences, conscious, consciences, I can't talk, whatever, be yeah. able to sleep well at night. If they go to bed thinking it's just a clump of cells and I'm not killing a person, like, you have to basically tell yourself lies in order to, to be morally okay with killing a bunch of unborn babies in my opinion you have to be there has to be like a certain level of self-delusion there that you subscribe to and willfully partake in in order to be okay with it yeah it's like i just ate a whole pizza i'm pretty sure the cheese was low calorie and low fat and i didn't use sauce on it so i'm fine it's healthy <laughs> yeah so like i'm not yeah this is not yeah. gonna bite me in the ass later yeah i'm not gonna put on 15 pounds today from yeah. this whole pizza <laughs> Yeah, um, or like <laughs> it had vegetables on it, so it's okay, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> oh goodness. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I just think it's it's hard to disassociate the abortion debate from the supermajority. Yeah. Um, because that's always the focus of every women's group, and I'm sure it'll be the focus of this one, um, or reproductive rights or whatever they decide to call it. And so I just wish for once these groups would just say what they are like let's just be real like you are a progressive activist group with a political agenda you don't care about uniting all women um because you are making no effort to reach out to the other side of the aisle and unite women on issues that we actually do agree on like there's a lot of agreement on things like paid family leave and Mm -hmm. um equal pay and stuff like that like there's a lot of issues where they could like find a lot of agreement and, and um, build a coalition around and they're completely 100% not interested in that as evident by their answers on morning Joe. So I just wish they would be honest about it. And I would, you know, if they were just honest about it, I don't even think we would be talking about this right now. We would just be like, whatever. Yeah. Okay. Great. I wouldn't have even Good made the news. 
No, we'd just be like, okay, that's great, cool, another liberal group, whatever. Okay, so what else is doing? Yeah. You know? But, like, we are talking about it on this podcast because I just think they're being very disingenuous. And I'm, once again, just not impressed with the effort. So, that's all I got. Okay. <laughs> what else do you want to add? I think that's it. I think, I think I've been ranch- I feel like I've been <laughs> ranting for so long and it, we, I really haven't, we really haven't been, but I, yeah. And now I feel all long winded. <laughs> so anything else you want to add to this, uh, episode of podcast, Christina? I don't think so. I think I'm all good. All right. Well, on that note, we will sign off. Um, and ask that you please review us and rate us on your uh, podcast subscription platform of choice. Please give us a review. They mean a lot, um, and they really help us in the iTunes rankings, so that's always the goal. Um, But also share this with your friends and family and anyone else you know who think might be interested. And until next week, we'll talk to you later. See ya. Bye.